Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acne. I'm so excited for this episode today with Melissa Wood. Tepperberg. I want to call her Melissa Woodhouse because you know that's what I thought her name was this whole time. But it's an amazing episode. She gave us so much. She was so open. She left me with such positive energy. And that says a lot about a person, like how they make you feel when you're, you know, done speaking to them or after you hang out with somebody. Like that's a big tell, I think. And I'm just really excited. It's a long one. So we're going to do a very quick solo answering a few of your questions and then get right into it. Somebody said, I love if you could talk about or answer next time your thoughts on why single men seem to be attracted to taken women. Very curious about that. I mean, I think it's just because they're women that don't need this man, this man rather. And men are attracted to people who don't want them and what they can't have. And when somebody's taken, they're basically saying like, I don't need you. I don't want you. And men love a challenge. And so I will say though, I think the men that are attracted to taken women says more about them and like they've got issues on their own. How to know when you're ready to vacay with a guy. I think there's no too early to go away with someone. And I say that because you really get to know someone when you spend time away together. And even if you're not official when you're going away, you know, even if it's a few weeks in, you really see if you guys would be able to work long term and and if you wouldn't. And I I hear about a lot of relationships ending after trips like that. So better to know earlier on. Do you have a podcast or tips on going on a longer vacation with a new partner and how to not get sick of each other? I think if you're worried about that, that's probably a red flag to begin with. I think you're really going to enjoy your time together, but you also should have things that you're interested in, like a great book. You know, I find that when I'm away with my partner or when we're like having a beach day, in order to not just be thinking of new things to talk to him about, like I'm reading my book and I'm really enjoying it. Or like I'll go on a walk by myself and listen to Taylor Swift because I love her. Can you elaborate on comparison of its effects on relationships? Okay. Someone asked me if I'm the chief in my relationship. And I was like, no, not at all. But I have been in the past. And the reason that, you know, I think they asked that is because they felt that women should be the chief in the relationship or maybe the opposite, that women shouldn't be. I don't think that there should necessarily be a chief in a relationship. I actually hate that word. I think, you know, maybe there's someone who has more of an upper hand or makes the decisions, like wears the pants. I think that it's really important to have a balance though. And if I called all the shots in my relationship, that would be a huge turnoff to me. I think at the end of the day, like I probably make the big decisions for us in terms of like, not in terms of our relationship trajectory, but in terms of like, oh, let's do this and let's do that. But I I don't think that it should be one person. I think it should be both of you deciding together. Is it normal to accept certain behaviors in a long-term relationship that you wouldn't accept in a new one? This one came up and we asked it as a poll question and most people said yes. And even though most people said yes, it's actually very toxic, this whole thing. And it's part of the reason why so many people stay in 
long-term relationships when they're not happy. And so all I can say with this, because I don't want us to linger on this solo part too long, is just that, you know, if you are seeing yourself accept a behavior that you wouldn't accept in a new one, ask yourself why and is this person worth it or is it a toxic situation? Somebody said, could you talk more about how when you were younger, you dated guys that really liked you, but not the other way around? Oh, I see. So yeah, I mean, I went through a time in my life where I just wanted to date someone who really liked me because it made me feel good. And it's kind of like how people talk about dating down. Like I wanted to know for sure that they would worship me. And that's not good behavior. I think I did this because I was insecure and because I was scared of getting hurt. And I had done this immediately following a dump, like being dumped. And I thought like, this is how I'll never get dumped again. Someone said, this is so fascinating to me. And I didn't realize it was normal for things to ebb and flow in terms of who likes who would love your take on it. Every relationship that is good ebbs and flows. Like my parents, for example, or any other relationship that I know, like there's always going to be moments where one of you is on top and one of you isn't. Um, Like maybe you're not doing well in business and they are and vice versa. Maybe you're going through a period of anxiety and depression and they're not and vice versa. And the ebb and flow is what keeps your relationship together. So I hope you enjoy the episode with Melissa. I know I did. And I'm excited to hear your thoughts. We did a really interesting poll question recently and figured out that way more people than there used to be are on the dating apps. I mean, it's really the only way to meet someone nowadays. And that's why I am really excited to tell you about the dating app that I feel like people don't realize how amazing it is and that can get overlooked because not many people know about it. And if you haven't heard of it, OkCupid is the best. I mean, there's so many questions that you can answer on OkCupid so that it really connects you with the right person for you. Like it actually gives you a percentage. Like you are 97% compatible with this person. And it's really just amazing. So join the many people that are on OkCupid and check it out. I mean, OkCupid is famous for matching people on what matters most to them. So like even the food that you love, the type of relationship you want, politics, whatever matters to you, OkCupid gets to the heart of who you are and what type of person you're looking for. And it's free. So you should download OkCupid today and tell me what you think of the app and tell me if you meet someone because I'm very invested in your relationships. And I really think OkCupid is one of the greatest apps. And a lot of people don't realize that. So I hope that you realize that now that I've told you, go on it, match with someone, tell me your experience, slide into my DMs and I'll share it. Hey guys, I'm Maddie Orlando. And I'm Lauren Orlando. As you probably guessed, we're sisters. And we're also co-hosts of the podcast, The Sister Diary. Every week, we let our listeners into real life conversations like the ones that we have at home. We have an eight-year age gap, so we always have a different perspective on things, but that makes it pretty fun. We talk about navigating life, growing up on social media, and pretty much anything else that we find interesting. You can catch a new episode of The Sister Diary every Friday. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited and honored to have our guest here today, Melissa Wood Tepperberg aka the creator of Melissa Wood Health. Hey, Melissa. Hi. It's How's such it going? It's going. It's so nice to be here with you. I'm so glad to have you. Sorry if my boyfriend's oh, okay. walking around in the background. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> he can't hear you, but but he's a fan as well. Um, so Melissa, we'll just start with some background info for anyone who doesn't know you. Um, how old are you and where are you from? Ooh, that's the first time I've ever been asked that. And I'm like, not weird. No, no, Uh I don't mind it. I invite the age questions. I'm 38 and I am from Syracuse, New York. Awesome. And what is your current relationship status? I am married with two children. Love it. And we have so many questions that are coming in about all of that. But before (laughs) we get into it. Um, I have to ask because we're a huge fan of astrology and obviously you on the podcast. I actually know your sign because I did some back stalking. 
But for Yay! everyone who doesn't know, um, when is your birthday? December 4th. And I am, I think I'm like true and true a Sagittarius. So you have the same birthday as Jay-Z. Did you know this? I did know this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like you guys are similar? Um, I do actually. Uh-huh. I, I really love that. It's so funny that you, have, that you have a huge fan of his. Um, and yeah, his, yeah, I think we have a lot of similarities. And how much do you know about your like chart? Like, do you know your rising and moon sign? No. And it's, do you know mine? <laughs> yes. I, I can find I out in two seconds. Do you, do you know what time you were born? So you guys, this is where things get a little, Uh-oh. I am the, third of five girls in my, mm-hmm. my mom and my dad had five girls. My dad wasn't there for my birth. I think that as I'm learning, like with my own, you know, birth of my children, things change. Like after the second, you're like, okay, <laughs> like uh-huh. one coming. I'm not pregnant and there's no like expectations of a third, but my mom had my aunt with me because she couldn't find my dad. It's a story. So when I asked my mom what time I'm born, she's not quite sure. <laughs> That's really funny. What about your birth certificate? It's a, we can't find that. So it's no. interesting. Yeah. But it's, There's, yeah. it's a between 1.15 and 3.15. So that, that's enough information. I feel like that is enough to look something up. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to just try. Because I've done it before. And she's like, oh, list like, I can't find like oh god. Okay, l- let's just see what we can find. So December 4th what year? 1982. Okay. Let's love, see if I this works. And what time did we say in between? Like 1 1 15 p.m. and 3:15. Okay, so I'm going to go with 2 p.m. just cuz it's in the middle. And were you born in Syracuse? Oneida. What? I was born in Oneida, New York. Wow. Wait, can you spell Oneida for me? I should oh. know. O-N-E-I-D-A. E-I-D-A. I was like, were you born there? Like the way you said it. <laughs> no, no. But yeah, I was, I was too. Um, okay. Wow. This makes so much sense. Oh, good. So, According to this, if this is right in any way, you would be an Aries rising Leo moon, which would make you a triple fire. A hundred percent. This is me. Oh my God. I (laughs) love that. Without a doubt. And my daughter is quite fiery. My whole family, we're all really fiery. There's is, is what, so what are your, what's your daughter and your son's birthdays? So Benjamin is July 24th and He's, he's a Leo. Leo all the way. And Eleanor is September 20th. So she is... She's a Virgo. Virgo. I love that. And your your husband is a Leo also, right? So lots of fire going on. So it's so... It's funny that this is the first time that someone read my chart, but Mm -hmm. I've always known that (laughs) in my heart. Like I'm like a hundred percent. I have to be a triple fire. I I love that. And and I guess Eleanor would be like the chillest, technically the chillest person, like the least fiery or not so much. I, you know, I was like really hoping and praying, like <laughs> chill as she woke up at 4.45 this morning. Um, I saw that. Yeah. You know, she's really, she's pretty fiery. When I have her alone, mm-hmm. when it's just her and I one-on-one, I really her chill side. And it's the same with Benjamin too, because I think they're constantly competing for my attention, for Noah's attention, for Susan's attention, their nanny. And I see such a different version of them when we're alone. So I I would agree of the children, yes. Noah's pretty chill too. Mm -hmm. And so he's like really passionate or upset about something. Mm-hmm. So I want to get into Noah and also pre-Noah Melissa as well, okay. which a lot of people wanted to know about. <laughs> um, so maybe we'll start. Maybe we'll start with the pre. So 
before you met Noah, you were living in New York and you were modeling, right? Before I met Noah, well, I started out, I was working at Bloomingdale's at the Chanel counter. That was my first job. That's what moved me to New York. And then when I met him, it was cocktail waitressing at Marquee. But on the side, I was working as a model. And then once, you know, started really working as a model, I ended up leaving my life. And when you were working at Chanel and, um, you know, anything that was pre, pre meeting Noah, did you have any, um, like what was your dating life like? Were you meeting a lot of people? Like, I I know this is like pre dating apps and stuff. I'm sure that you were meeting, uh, people organically, like tons, you know, so what was that like? Did you go on dates? Like, did you, you know, honestly, I have always been in relationships. It's definitely something as I'm older now that I can look back on and see like my codependency with the fear of being alone and feeling Mm. like I wasn't of value or valuable enough if I didn't have a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. I think it while I was in that space, I didn't see it. But now that I've done so much work on myself and I can look back and, you know, I wasn't single that much. I had moments of being single because when I moved here, I had a boyfriend, but we were living together at home and I came home from being in New York and was like, I got a job. I'm moving to New York. And it was, there was no like, we're moving to New York. Do you want to move with me? And it wasn't that I didn't care for him. I just knew that it was my moment to do something for myself. Mm -hmm. And I think growing up and, you know, my mom always had boyfriends and like felt that need to always be with a man. And I think that's where a lot of that came from for me. And I see it with some of my sisters as well. So I had a boyfriend and it's, you know, it was a long distance and it was like, we were together, then we weren't. And in those weird in-betweens, I definitely met, you know, there was like one guy I met and we became friends and then we ended up hanging out a little bit, but I didn't have much of a dating, a huge like window of dating in New York. Right. And then when I ended up breaking up with that boyfriend, I was working at Marquee and then I ended up dating someone, you know, at Marquee for years. He was my mm-hmm. boyfriend for a long time. And I, there weren't many windows of being single. Yeah. So I, I get that. Yeah. I feel like I personally am like a serial monogamist in so many ways. Um, so I definitely relate to that. You mentioned you kind of had seen your mom um, have boyfriends and stuff. Did you have a close relationship with your dad as well? Or was it just you and your mom being close? Um, my mom and I weren't really close growing up. I don't know that I would say, We have a, a great relationship now. When I look back on my childhood, I now that I have kids and I have you know such a stable family life, I see that my mom was in survival mode and just doing anything and everything to make ends meet. She was a single mother with five kids. You know, we saw my dad on the weekends or every other weekend. And my parents were in my life. My dad moved when I was 15. Mm -hmm. He moved to Colorado and I definitely felt a shift in how connected I felt to him. I've, Mm -hmm. I've always felt more connected naturally to my mother because I lived with her. But, you know, my mom wasn't around a ton because she was working three jobs to put food on the table. So it wasn't the closest, if I'm being Mm -hmm. completely honest. Like, you know, I have friends who are so close with their parents and and I always almost envied that. But as I've grown into a woman, you know, I have maintained relationships with the relationships with my parents and worked really hard at forgiving and trying to understand them then and like now and, and really just building from this space instead of thinking back on traumas and Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I love that. The reason I asked is because somebody recently messaged me and they tried to make sort of like a correlation between people who are constantly in relationships and their relationship with their dad. But I don't necessarily think that's a thing. I think, but I will say there's like two extremes. There's the people who are very close with their parents who might like repel people from dating them because like it's almost too close. And then there's like the maybe people who like are feeling like a void of not being close enough. But I don't think like it's necessarily one or the other. Like I'm very close with my parents and I'm always in a relationship. So right. I definitely think there, there is an element. There mm-hmm. was an element of that for me. I love talking to Melissa because it's just so nice to talk to someone who also, you know, had a situation where they realized that alcohol wasn't for them. And it's January. It's the perfect time if you're sober curious to start thinking about dry January. You know, it's never too late. And also there's amazing alternatives that make you feel just as good as you probably think that alcohol makes you feel. And that's why I and Melissa were both obsessed with Kin Euphorics. If you haven't already heard of it, Kin Euphorics is actually the first non-alcoholic drink for grown-ups who care about the little things like brain function, hormone harmony, great sex, and de-stressing after an insane day. The drinks are stacked with good stuff and none of the bad. So everything that you want to feel when you drink alcohol, except you don't have a horrible hangover and you don't feel terrible about yourself and it's not like a depressant because they've got amazing like aptogenic herbs and mushrooms and they curb stress in the moment, which is really just so necessary. My favorite one of theirs is the dream light. It's like a nightcap and it melts away all stress before bed, which is amazing. So if you're listening and you're, you know, sober curious, or even if you just want to try a drink that is non-alcoholic, you can go to kinuphorics.com slash Acme and actually get 15% off plus free shipping on your order. So go to K-I-N-E-U-P-H-O-R-I-C-S.com slash Acme and you'll get 15% off plus free shipping. Kinuphorics.com slash Acme now. Check it out. I feel like they should make a Disney movie about food at the grocery store and how it's like really trying to get bought, but like it has imperfections. You know where I'm going with this? Like one of those, you know, toy stories, but for food. I feel like whenever I go to the grocery store, I'm always looking for the absolute perfect orange that has no scratch on it. But like, what's the big deal if it does? We all have imperfections as humans. So why do we hold our groceries to a different standard? Like every year, billions of pounds of food go to waste, often because it doesn't live up to the strict cosmetic standards of grocery stores. Like, don't you wish there was a way to prevent all of that waste? Imperfect Foods is actually on a mission to reimagine grocery delivery for a kinder and less wasteful world. They deliver sustainable, affordable groceries, including produce, quality protein, eggs, dairy, pantry staples, everything straight to your door. And they always add in like really fun new discoveries for you to try each week, which is amazing. All you have to do is sign up and you can create your flexible, personalized grocery plan and then shop online each week and get affordable and sustainable groceries delivered directly to your door. And you can feel good about it because you're saving these amazing groceries that might have gone overlooked by other people who are just so obsessed with beauty when it comes to getting their food, which just shouldn't be a thing. So I think you should try it. And they're offering our listeners 20% off plus free shipping on your first order. When you go to imperfectfoods.com and make sure to use the promo code ACME. If you just go to imperfectfoods.com for a limited time, you'll get 20% off plus free shipping on your first order because who wants to go to a grocery store right now? Go to imperfectfoods.com and use the code ACME to sign up now. So you mentioned being a cocktail waitress and this was like the beginning of you kind of like meeting Noah, I think, right? Yes. So also, I mean, there's there's so much that I want to talk to you about. It's crazy. I don't even know where to start. But, no, I love um, it. Give it to me. So when you were a cocktail waitress, you were around 
alcohol twenty four seven. And now I know just from watching your videos and following you that you don't drink. I don't know if you consider yourself sober, um, but I know that you don't drink alcohol. What was that like being, I mean, at the time when you were a waitress, I'm assuming you had to drink alcohol because people are always like, take a shot with me. And you know, it's part of the job in a way. Um, Does that have anything to do with why you don't drink today? Not exactly in this very moment in my life, but there was a time when I was cocktail waitressing four nights a week. And then I was also working full time as a model. And it was like, I mean, there was no balance in my life. I was completely um, out of my mind, to be mm-hmm. completely honest. There was a time when I was waitressing for a good six months where I didn't drink because I really wanted to focus on modeling and being on time to castings and booking the jobs. So it's not that I felt this intense pressure to drink while I was there, but it was just kind of, it was a part of it, you know, Mm -hmm. the more that I let loose a little bit and, and engaged with the customers or the, the room, right. It's like, like there's this energy in the room and the more money I made really, like if I'm just being honest, you know, so it was something that I did. And there were, I mean, there were, there were dark moments where I was like, it was out of hand. It was affecting everything in my life. And I, it was, it was a holiday Christmas party and I was a mess. I got, I, I used to get embarrassingly drunk. And mm-hmm. that, you know, you wake up the next day and you have not only a hangover, you have a vulnerability hangover of just like, Oh God, <laughs> what did I do? What did I say? Who did I get into a fight with? Like I got into a fight with this homeless man on the street and I stormed off. And I was also in the height of my eating disorder, which no one knew about. Right. There were a lot of things going on. I mean, I vividly remember that evening and I was living in Queens in Astoria and I took a cab home and I had, I mean, this is like vivid. I, I have the cab driver stop at Dunkin' Donuts and then I got pizza and I just binged and binged and stuffed myself. And, and it was like, I was feeling a void in my life. I was very, I just remember feeling very alone. At that time. Mm. So I think, you know, when you're working in a nightclub and you're not grounded, it can tear you down. Luckily I, you know, had these moments of of like awakening before Mm -hmm. it spiraled out of control. But right. I also imagine the combination of being a model and like having to look a certain way and then like having to act a certain way as a cocktail waitress. It's just like, it's, it's a lot for, for a person to go through and deal with. Yeah, it was a lot. I mean, I was up really late and then, I was up pretty early and I was, that was also in the time where I would, I would pack a bag for the day. I would leave my house around 1030, which when you're getting home at six in the morning, that's crazy to even Mm -hmm. wrap my head around that I did this. I would go to the Equinox at Columbus Circle. I would put my clothes for the day for my castings and my cocktail waitressing outfit in the locker. And then I would go and I would run around Central Park and then I would come back to the gym and I would work out for an hour. Like I just, uh, I, my entire life was living in fight or flight since I was Mm. Mm. And I, when I moved to New York, it's when I really saw that. I saw it because I didn't know what was happening to me. I like could hear myself and my thoughts for the first time in my life when I lived in this teeny tiny little apartment. It was like my room was like the size of these two desks and I would shut the door and I just remember my heart racing and being like, what is this? Like, what's wrong with me? It was anxiety. I didn't know what it was. Mm. I didn't know how to deal with my anxiety. So I was fueling it with drinking, with restricting calories, with, you know, having these extreme workouts and then 
an extreme lifestyle, right? It was, it was a really, um, now that I am in such a grounded space in my life, it's really sad. And it's really what led me to this work is being honest with myself and that I was that girl, that I was living that life for so many years. And if, you know, sharing a meditation or a workout where you don't have to torture yourself or punish yourself for right. what you ate the night before, like mm. it just, that's what lights me up. And I want to share this because I think this is really important. That particular night that I'm talking about where I like vividly remember right. um, getting in a fight and then storming off and, and left my boyfriend. It was a mess. The next day, one of the girls who I wasn't the closest with, but we had a nice relationship. She called me and she said to me, she was like, listen, you're amazing when you don't drink. She was like, the way you behaved last night is not who you are. Mm. Not who you are. You were, she just told me the truth. She, she was like, you were completely out of your mind, screaming at people, like causing such a scene. And she's like, I know you're not that person. And I really think you have a drinking problem. And I was like, instead of, first of all, I didn't, it's not even that I thought I had a drinking problem. I just didn't know how to deal with my anxiety. But that was the first moment from someone who wasn't that close to me that it woke me up where Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh my God, thank you. Thank you for having the courage to say that to me because that is not who I want to show up as. And I think as much as like, listen, I still have my secret eating disorder for a while after that. It, it did wake me up to how I wanted to show up in life. And it wasn't a sloppy mess. That's not who I wanted. And I think so much of it. So I'm sober. I don't, I don't know if I gave you that background, but I have been sober for two and a half years. Um, yeah. And it's, it's like been completely life-changing for me, but you know, you mentioned at the time you didn't think you had a drinking problem, but you had become like a different person when you drank. And it's so interesting because like so many people think, Oh, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with alcohol because I'm not like drinking in the morning and I'm not drinking all day and whatever, but it's something, yeah, but it's something as simple as just like not like being a different person or a person that you don't like when you drink, like is enough reason I think to take a break or like seriously consider a life without drinking. I think so too. I mean, I, I do not feel that I'm sober and you know, we're talking, this was, 15 years ago that I'm Mm -hmm. stories. And even in the past, let's say five years, I mean, I didn't have a bad relationship to alcohol. I really found the, the tools in my life that serve me. And I'm very aware of the tools that don't it's even if they're, they don't make me feel bad or horrible, they they don't enhance the person that I want to be. Yeah. That was really, I mean, it was a month before I was launching my app, launching this site. And every time I launched it on my birthday, so it was around November, November 1st, where I just, after every meditation, all I, I kept getting this, just feeling really called to just get clear, get really clear, get super centered. This is, you know, this is a big launch. And it wasn't just about the launch. It was something that... I know it's funny because I think when you, you don't meditate or you don't connect to a higher power or spirit, it sounds weird when you hear people have these conversations. But I, I'm really telling you, I was called to experience life, experiment not having a drink and just being yeah. headed. And finally, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to give myself the next 30 days. Let me launch and let me just keep you know seeing how that serves me. And like I said, it wasn't just about the launch. It was like, there's so much to come. Meanwhile, look at 2020. Like I, it was for all of these signs. It was like, this isn't just about business. This is about the world. This is about and being able to handle it. And I can tell you right now that I know for a fact that if I was drinking, Mm. being in quarantine, especially with my husband, myself, my, you know, 
my husband having to lay off thousands of employees. My mm-hmm. business taking a complete opposite turn where mm-hmm. we were both slammed in different ways and then being at home with our kids. <laughs> like I would have gone a lot. So I really think when you get those strong messages to try something and it's scary and I think just try, I always say, just try it on, try it on. See yeah, how you have to listen. Oh my God, you have to listen. I'm so glad I did. And then it just kept going because I feel better. Mm-hmm. I feel better and I don't, you know, I could have a drink tonight and that's okay. I won't, I wouldn't judge myself. It's just, I, I'm living in a space in my life with moving towards everything that feels good because I know, I know who I want to show up as every day. And even one drink makes me a little, you know, not a little unpleasant the next day. Like I'm a little bit more judgmental. I'm quick to snap at my kids. And I just, I feel like I don't have space in my life for that right now. Yeah. I love that you have that awareness. It's so amazing. And you mentioned your eating disorder and how, you know, even after you stopped drinking, it continued kind of on the down low for a little bit. And it's really interesting. You know, so many questions came in about you having gone through that and now being in like the health and wellness space and how that's like such an amazing thing that you're able to do that now. One question was, how do you balance a healthy relationship with food and exercise like now having had that eating disorder in the past and like have any triggers come back ever because you're still like in this space? Such a great question. And the the truth is it is, you know, through my commitment to my meditation practice is the thing that really cracked me open to seeing myself as I really am, like who I really am as a person. And it not only strengthened my mind and myself as a person, it helped me with ease too, because I mean, I, I did everything. It was like, I had a therapist, I had a health coach, I had, um, you know, I ended up, and then I was working with a, a career coach and I was like attaching myself to like everything mm. and not that those things didn't serve me because they did. I needed to go to therapy to understand why I was resorting to these negative patterns and tools that weren't serving me to then turning it inward and taking a moment to not ask everyone for help and to Mm -hmm. really rely on yourself to sit in the stillness and the space with yourself and then release that. Because I always say like, when you're relying on your own strength, you got, you have to surrender to that higher power. And that's what really helped me see everything differently. It helped me look at food as fuel. It helped me learn to love myself. I mean, I didn't love myself for, oh, it's for most of my life. And I, never looked at myself in the mirror and thought, you know what? You're a beautiful, kind, gracious person. I looked Mm -hmm. at everything that was wrong. I picked myself apart and through meditation, it, I mean, I cured my acne with meditation. I cured my eating disorder. I do not have an eating disorder. People say like, once you have an eating disorder, you always have an eating disorder. Once you're always an addict. I totally disagree. I think that there are ways to overcome and, and, and want to work with a professional, you know, by no means take certain things into your own hands. I had help along the way, but that's why I'm so passionate about sharing this practice mm-hmm. because I was able to transform myself, my mind, my life, my, my relationships, my work through committing to myself through prioritizing my peace and putting that first, really first. I just got back to New York and it is absolutely freezing. And listen, like I'm excited to go out to eat and wear a jacket and hopefully the heaters will work, but there's nothing that I love more than ordering in. Like, especially when every single restaurant you could ever dream of 
is on Caviar. If you don't have Caviar, you need to download it immediately. It is the best food delivery app. They actually have every restaurant that many apps don't have. And the best ones obviously get them delivered right to your door. You barely have to move. They've got Four Charles. They have Lartuzzi. They've got literally like every single restaurant. And you know, if you live somewhere else, I'm sure Caviar is in your area and they're also working with the best restaurants. So if you haven't already tried it, Caviar is giving you 20% off your first order just for being a listener and supporter of We Met at Acme. All you have to do is enter code ACME2021 at checkout and you'll get 20% off your first order with promo code ACME2021. Download the Caviar app and use code ACME2021 for 20% off your first order. And you can thank us later. Back to Melissa. So how does that, the meditation, like in a daily, you know, a daily life, help you to feel just like, okay, for example, like let's say, someone brings in like all of your favorite foods and you feel like pressure from this person to try these foods because they brought them for you or something. And then let's say you do. And then like you're feeling shitty after, like, would you in that case go to a different room and meditate? Or is it just something that in the back of your mind, you have more of like an intuitive relationship with it? I never feel pressure with I, mm-hmm. I trust myself enough to know that if I don't want something, I don't ever think about hurting anyone's feelings. I take care of myself first. And that mm-hmm. is through this knowing, this like inner knowing and trusting of myself. And let's just say, I mean, it's funny because recently I have I've been experimenting with eating so many different foods. I mean, I was plant-based for so many years. And then through quarantine, I was like, you know what? let's just like drop the title because I can't stop looking at Noah's eggs and I'm making the fake eggs, but I want the real. And I was like, yeah, like I'm going to eat the eggs. Like let's, why am I torturing myself? And Mm -hmm. through being in that quiet space with myself for so long, I was able to just be like, you know what? Maybe I don't have to label everything. It doesn't have to be like, I am sober curious. I am plant-based. I'm just a human who's trying things on and, seeing what works for me. And it helped me like the other night I was starving. It was late. I was like doing all this work and Noah ordered pizza for the kids. And I like heat up a slice. I I heated up a slice and then I was making a bath and I like came in the room and I was like eating the pizza. It's like, did you take the cheese off? And I was like, no, I, I didn't. I'm so tired. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take it back. And when I tell you there wasn't an ounce of guilt in my soul for eating that. I believe that's what served me in that moment because I was exhausted. I needed something. I needed the warm bath. And then I went to bed. I didn't think about the slice the next day where before it would have sent me into a tailspin. Right. And the reason I say that it's not that I don't have triggers in life. It's, It's funny. Like things that trigger me aren't, it's not food. It's, it's not that, but I believe I'm in this because I've been doing this work for many years. It's, mm-hmm. It didn't just like happen one day. Over time, the more that I've, and that's why I'm, I'm, I keep coming back to, it's like the consistency, the commitment to yourself. It's as if things open up in your life and you see everything differently. I see everything differently. My mm-hmm. body, food, workouts, and that is what birthed my method through understanding that things don't have to be so extreme. It doesn't right. have to be this extreme space in order to really live in a happy space with yourself. Yeah, I love that. It's so inspiring. And obviously, we have to talk about you and Noah's love story. Um, <laughs> so I know a little bit about it just from hearing you talk about it on other podcasts. But for our listeners who don't know, how did you and Noah meet for the first time? How did we meet for the first time? So is this because we I worked for him for two years. Mm-hmm. And then you mean like, how did we start seeing each other differently? Almost like when did it change? Yeah, because I know that you were working for him for two years. Um, 
and then you had a, a friendship. Yes. And and then like so many people are curious, you know, how you turn a friendship into more or like, you know, the, there's always like the spark right away versus like the slow build of a relationship, which it sounds like you guys had. It was definitely that. And I was used to the opposite where it was like all or nothing, highs are high, lows are lows. There's right. no one being like your chemistry's on fire or like there's no connection. You know, that was mm-hmm. the space that I came from. So I never saw Noah as anything other than Noah. It's like my previous boss, the, the, the owner of Marquee Tao. Like that was like, once again, going back to labels. It was like labeled him. No, there right. was nothing in the capacity of my brain that mm-hmm. that saw anything else. And then I'll tell you like, the real story because I was just telling Alex my tell me assistant the other day. So when I was dating someone, once again, it was like out of a serious relationship, single for like not long enough. And I told Noah this too. I'm like, I needed like a good three to five months before we got serious. And then yeah. for no reason other than just for the space. But it's funny, but I'll explain how I there are almost moments in our relationship where like, not that I'm single relationship status, but it's our relationship has given me so much space for myself to grow where I think sometimes certain relationships are, what do I say? I don't want to say suffocating, but kind of where like, you don't even have, you're like afraid to be alone and you just can't, you don't have any. any Yeah. That's like toxic, unhealthy relationships. There you go. I knew you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was dating someone and before we like were really dating, Noah invited one of my best friends and his really good friend on a trip to Ibiza. And I was like, you don't say no to a trip to Ibiza. It was like, you don't people. It was Mm -hmm. a fun trip. There were all of these models that he invited. And I was in the space of yes you know what? I need to explore. I need to see who I am. So I went on the trip, but I had a boyfriend who wasn't very cool with it, but I was like, I, you know, I agreed to this trip before. And then that's, that relationship didn't end well because of me going on the trip and him just feeling like it wasn't cool and had the time of my life on that trip. I found myself in a visa. (laughs) I was in Pasha and I was like, I am so fun. I am. Like I just told him, I was like, you know what? I love life. I love talking to people. Like I was just in a, a good space with myself. And then I came home, wasn't in that relationship. And Noah definitely, now that I know how strategic of a person he is, I think he planted many seeds along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> rope me in a little closer to him. And he invited me to an opening and like I sat next to him. And like none of this registered at the time. But now that I look right. at him, like I was next to him. And I also always made it on this table, but I, there was nothing there when, when I was mm. there. Like, we were both in relationship. It sounds like he had a crush on you from the get-go and you just didn't realize it until <laughs> later. I don't know that he had a crush on me because he's such a loyal like partner. Like he's never cheated on anyone. Oh, he was in a relationship too? When we were... Yeah, when, when I was working with him. Like he, right, right, never, right. like when I, I really mean it, like there was mm-hmm. never anything. Like he was mm-hmm. always so professional. I, I didn't catch one vibe. I can pick up chemistry anywhere. There was, there was nothing. So after well, when we got back, he invited myself and my girlfriends to the Hamptons for a weekend. And I was like, okay, amazing. Like we'll come. I had a bunch of my girlfriends with me and he was like, well, (laughs) we don't fit in the car. So you and I are going to drive in this car and they're going to drive in that car. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, slowly, but even then, like, I didn't think anything. I was still in that space of like, I didn't see who he was until the end of that car ride. We were in the car for like four hours. It was the worst traffic. And we talked about everything. The conversation was just flowing and, I definitely had that like a micro moment of looking over at him and just thinking like, 
huh, he's so not who I portrayed him to be. Like, who I mm. pushed him as. Like, right. so soft and gentle and kind and, and caring. And, and it was like, I slowly started to see him differently. And then we went to Dune, if anyone listening went to Dune back in the day. I cocktail waitress at Dune as well. That was I remember my, hearing about Dune. That, that was my weekend gig. We went to Dune. We were out and I like couldn't find him that night. I was like, Kiko. And then it just, it really clicked. And I realized that I, I was starting to like him. And then I was mm-hmm. terrified because I was like, no, I can't like him. I know mm-hmm. his past. I know everyone he's dated. No, absolutely not. And I think this right. is what stands in a lot of people's way. And why yeah. a lot of people are not meeting people is because they have this image or this, you know, how checklist. they want on paper, this checklist. Mm. And then you close yourself off from allowing other energies to enter your space. So I was like terrified. And then it was like the next weekend we ended up going out east again. And then we just like, it was like, I was like letting the guard down, letting the guard mm. down. We, we just liked each other. And I remember we were at Surf Lodge and I can say Jama's name, Jama, who's um, the owner of Surf Lodge, yeah. went up to him and she was like, that's your wife. That's your wife. I see this whole thing. And she said, that is oh. for you. She's, and, and it's like, I really like, I started, it was like, I think once you know you like someone, it's like quick, but then I fought it off for months because mm. I didn't want anyone to know just because, you know, all my friends know him. Right. Knowing a lot of someone's exes does, it kind of cuts off this energetic, you know, feeling to move forward. And it's so funny. It reminds me of in Clueless, like at the end when Cher is <laughs> like, I love Josh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like a, it was kind of like that. And I just, here we are, two babies later. We really have, we have an amazing relationship. And it, listen, it's every relationship goes through so many challenges. And like, we've definitely been through those challenges of, of like, I, you know, I, when I met Noah, it was like, Noah has definitely grown as a person, but like, he was like, doing what he loved. He was so passionate. I was like this broken girl who Mm. had no idea who I was. I was so lost. I had all of these secrets and I really grew through our relationship and, you know, through my growth, it's, he's definitely grown as well. And I think that's why we're on this path together while we're in completely separate spaces this past year too has allowed us to work together as a, as a partnership where yeah. it made me like fall in love with him all over again. When, you know, before quarantine, like I was definitely the one who was like doing mostly everything with the kids. And like, it makes you love your partner more when you do things together and you like are both pulling the weight. Like for instance, I woke up with Eleanor today at four forty-five. I got up with her for two hours. And then I woke Noah up and I was like, babe, I'm so dead tired. That's all I had to say. Jumped up out of bed, took care of the kids, let me sleep for an hour and 45 minutes. Like that to me is what makes a, you know, you work, you work together at like, yeah, it's a real partnership. It's a real partnership. And, and, and it's really come like so full circle because you, you know, you describe yourself as the person who was broken and like now you're absolutely crushing it. And like he had to step in. I'm sure there are moments where he did have to step in because you were so busy, which like when you had first met, like, I don't know if it was the opposite, but it sounds like, you know, dynamics like that in relationships, they change all the time. And it's like such a healthy thing to see. It really is. I mean, when I, when we were first dating, I've always been a worker. Like I've always had a couple jobs. Like I, mm-hmm. ever since I was a little girl, I've always made my own money. It's one thing my mother taught me is to like be independent, be able to take care of yourself. Never, you never want to ask a man if you can buy something. And I was like, don't have like, always work my ass off to provide for myself, for my sister, mm-hmm. for my family. And 
to buy myself that damn dress and never have to ask them to buy me. Yeah. Uh-huh. Amen. I, I know it really liked me as well because it wasn't like I liked Noah for maybe reasons other girls liked Noah. Yeah. Or, you know, like I could have cared less. Although every girl likes nice things. I just wanted to like make that really clear. From yeah. Family. I love that. It's like, yeah. um, it's like the, Destiny's Child song, like the shoes on my feet. I bought it. Um, so you and Noah, like obviously your relationship took off. Was there ever a moment where you had to like define the relationship and be like, are you my boyfriend? Like, am I your girlfriend? Or did it just kind of naturally progress to that? There was definitely a point where he defined it. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was like, where like this is like we're together right Mm -hmm. I'm I'm usually not one to do that I definitely like to be courted in a relationship but like I said still have that like independence but like feel like you know the man is courting me and he he definitely pulled that card at one point but it was was mutual did he say I love you before you did or was it he did yes I love that and you guys were you know, the relationship took off and I don't know what the exact timeline was, but I know that you were pregnant, I think before you guys had gotten married, which is becoming a way more normal thing today. But I don't know, did you get any judgment back then? Were there any people just kind of who had the wrong idea about what the timeline was for you guys? Definitely. You get so many opinions. I think if you are not married and you have kids, we were, we had such a moment together. We were at our friend's wedding and they had their daughter. I actually have to say who it is because I'm obsessed with her. It was Mario and Courtney Lopez's daughter, Gia. Mm-hmm. And I was just like at that wedding, I'm like this girl, like I have never felt more love in a room. Like I want it. Like it was just so beautiful watching the parents with the daughter and just feeling the love of the family. And Noah looked at me and he was like, I feel like, like we should, we should have a kid before like we get married. And, and Mm. while I was like, okay, cool that you think that, but I need more of a commitment. Like, I'm not just going to like have your baby. Like I need to know we're engaged, that this is like, we're committing to each other. We're taking that next step. I needed to be engaged. And I mean, Noah didn't propose to me. It was three years into our relationship, which is, I think it's a good time. There was definitely mm. a few moments towards the end where I was like, what is he waiting for? Right. Well, how, wait, how old were both of you when he proposed? Oh God, I was 20. Like, no, when we started dating, I was 27. Mm-hmm. So I was 30, 30. Mm-hmm. And I and around 33. So that would make sense. A question that came up that I really love was, was there a moment in your career where you felt like you were making it? (sighs) That's... I mean, I feel like every single person in this pandemic has done Melissa Woodhealth at some point. And so that has to be something. Thank you. Yes, I... I don't know that it was that I felt that I made it, but I always knew when I got to a comfortable place in my life that I would do something to take care of my mom and to help her in any way that I could. And I was able to purchase something for her that just gave me that moment where I had to take a step back and say like, you know, I always knew since I was little living in our like tiny little house that I would do whatever I could to help my mom. Like she sacrificed so much for us and being able to like put a smile like that on her face. It was, it was a moment where I was, I, I was proud of the journey, being able to see, you know, where I've come from and, and know that I always wanted to do that one thing. So that's amazing. I just got like full body chills from that. Um, And I guess this is a question for really anyone to kind of think about, but how are you different from when the pandemic began to now? Oh, I love that question. I take so much more space with myself. I'm, I'm one of these people who tends to run on 
autopilot. I was like, go, 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 go mode. And I tend to do that. And I think when you have a lot of responsibilities and you have all these things, it's easy to just keep pressing forward. I don't live in my phone as much while yes, I'm like present on social media, but I'll, you know, I'll take a break from 12 to five and I I won't touch my phone and it's not every day, but I, it's given me more space to be with what's directly in front of me. Like I can honestly tell you through this entire interview, I've thought of not one other thing other than being here with you. And, and it's nice. And, and meditation has helped me get to this place too. But right. the pandemic has made me realize like nothing lasts forever. So be with every moment that you can. Mm. And I, love take, that. I take really good care of myself. And I think I take even better care of myself through this mm-hmm. past year, like, and unapolog- unapologetically where I don't, I don't feel bad about it. I don't, you, you shouldn't, know, there's no plans to be made. So yeah. like, I prioritize myself. big time. So last question, and then we're going to do some quick rapid fire questions, which okay. are fun. Um, somebody asked, actually a few people commented that your days always look so perfect, which they do. And I'm sure so many of them are. Can you tell us about a not perfect day? Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's funny because that almost like I have two thoughts that come to my mind when I hear that, like, there's a part of me that's like, I feel like sad. And then I'm like, no, I'm, I'm so happy that a lot of my days are really good because I lived a life for many, many years where, where they weren't and I mm. wasn't happy. So I, I am in a, a happy space with myself. But like today, for instance, I was in a mood. I was in such a mood waking up. Like for me, sleeping six hours, it's like I'm not good. Like I don't function. I don't feel my best. And I lit. Like I laid in bed and I was just like, I, like I, I wanted to cancel every single thing. I didn't want to do one damn thing. And I let myself be there for a good 45 minutes and just sulk in it because I think you do have to allow yourself to be there and like be in a bad mood, be upset. And I can be really moody and yeah. very reactive. So this is why I do all the things that I do. So just sitting there and almost like, allowing yourself, even if it's like you're feeling down and you're like feeling bad for yourself for a minute, that's okay. Like we all have these days. And then I was like, okay, like I am making the conscious choice to get up and to do those things. Those like handful of things that I know are going to up my mood, my vibe. It may not be my best day, but I'm going to choose to make it the best that it can be. And like, I feel great. Like I feel great with you here. I, on my way here with like walking with Alex, I was like, God, I've had such a turnaround from like my mental state earlier today. So, you know, I, I have days often where I feel down and unmotivated. And like yesterday when I like shared myself dancing in my bathroom and then having a full blown karaoke session, that was to get out of my own damn way. Right. I now know the tools that help me keep going. And it's not about like pressing forward where you don't process the stuff because you have to process the stuff. And that's why sometimes I have to cancel that meeting or I'll stop shooting. If I'm, if I'm in a space where things are not feeling in the flow for me, I, I do listen to that. And I'm a big crier, like really big crier. And I, I cry a lot and I'm, I'm someone who feels very, very deeply. And I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of childhood stuff that I'm still working through, working, you know, with spiritual coach myself and understanding that it's okay, right? It's like we all have this endless amount of work to do. And I will never apologize for being a very positive, optimistic, pretty happy person. Like my baseline. Yeah is pretty happy and it's also anxious. So like I may, I make this choice to, to show up as this person and it's, it's not a persona. It's not faith. Like this is who I am. And I have fought really hard to, to be here. So I love that you choose to be happy every day. And that's like a choice everybody can make. Yeah. 
I think. Okay. Some rapid fire poll questions. We're only going to do a few. And then I'm going to ask you a quote or piece of advice to leave us with. Okay. Do you genuinely like most of your closest friends, partners? Yes or no? Yes. Living together before marriage, yay or nay? Yay. Do you eat before a dinner date? I guess this is just like assuming you were out in the dating world. (laughs) You do? (laughs) I do. A little bit. You're not starving. Yeah. Especially if it's like a 930. Is it a red flag or no big deal if a guy has tampons in his apartment for girls who come over? No big deal. He might have sisters or, you know, I I don't think... He doesn't. It's just him. Okay. No, I don't look into that. I don't think that's... Okay. True. (laughs) Okay. And two more questions. Do you think a guy is automatically a douchebag on the dating apps if he has a shirtless picture? Yes or no? <laughs> yes. I know. He just judge, but just... Uh, I agree. And last question. Is the relationship doomed if one person likes the other more versus things ebbing and flowing? No. Yes or no? I No. I, I like... I, I think it's great when the man like loves you just a little bit more. Agreed. Agreed. It's the secret sauce. (laughs) I think so. So this has been so amazing. Is there a quote or piece of advice that you could leave our listeners with that has helped you throughout the years? It's really simple. And I think it's what helps me. Like I say it to myself before I do anything, because I think you get into this questioning mode of like how to show up. And if you just be who you are, like truly at your core, then it's, that's exactly the way things are are meant to move through you. So I think be who you are, not as somebody else's, not the way somebody else is doing it, how you want to do it. I think, I I know that's why I'm here with you today because I stopped looking at what everybody else was doing. Yep. I love that. And I heard that you were going to start a podcast. (laughs) So I hope, I hope that that happens. Where can everyone... Fingers crossed. Where can everybody find you and follow you and sign up for Melissa Wood Health? You can find me at Melissa Wood Health on my Instagram. My website is Melissa Wood Health. You can work out with me on Melissa Wood Health. I also have an app, Melissa Wood Health. And this is amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. This was awesome. 